0: Welcome back! It's Howell History. Oh my goodness, Chad. It is the day of days. It's our very first breaking news emergency podcast ever. This is a big day in Wolves history. One of those will-you-remember-where-you-were-when moments. The Timberwolves have traded for perennial all-NBA center Rudy Gobert. It's uh, going to be looked at in many different ways, and we're going to try to examine all of them. But before we get to that, Chad, how you doing? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. You feeling pretty, good today? Yeah, it's pretty... Uh...
1: Pretty fun day. I mean, I'm trying to. I was trying to think. Is this the biggest trade in Timberwolves history? I mean, it's it's there with Jimmy,
0: right? Like, is yeah. it bigger than Jimmy? It feels very similar to Jimmy because yeah. it's bringing in. It's taking a team that you feel is ready to take a leap and bringing in a hopefully the piece. And but the the difference was that how many games did the Wolves win the year before they brought in, in Jimmy? It was. 23 wins yeah they're garbage you know so yeah. they were they weren't a good team even under tibbs and yes they brought in jimmy with jeff teague and with taj gibson so that whole crew and then even derrick rose coming in that whole crew became the team you know s- surrounding Cat and wiggins but yeah and
1: i and i was thinking about it just strictly jimmy versus rudy how i felt like i think since the wolves traded for jimmy jimmy became a bigger yeah player than rudy is currently but i think at the time when we got Jimmy I don't think Jimmy was as accomplished yet as what Rudy is correct personally he's yep. you know three-time defensive player of the year six-time all-star four-time all NBA whatever all the all the stuff he's got a lengthy pedigree so I think in that sense was the player at the time we got them was is Rudy better than when Jimmy when we got Jimmy obviously Jimmy went on you know to become a upper echelon player. But, I mean, it's arguable that they're on the similar levels even now. I mean, I think I would put Jimmy a little bit higher.
0: Um, But, you know, you get what I'm saying. Like, in terms of weighing the difference in the trades. Absolutely. I mean, there are only so many trades you can look back on in Timberwolves' history and discuss them as top-tier, the Wolves got better trades. There just aren't that many, especially involving All-Stars. I mean, we can go all the way back to... Sam Cassell and Latrell Sprewell getting acquired in the same day. You know that still for me is a remember where you were when moment. You know, I walked into a friend's house because we were having a bonfire that night. I was like, "Hey, the Wolves do anything today?" You know, because at the time I was still paying attention. You know, and the the internet was just getting to the point where you could check on that stuff. And he was like, "Yeah, we traded for Latrell Sprewell and Sam Cassell." And I was like, "Holy cow!" That I did not see that coming at all. And you know that was out of left field with no ties to the players, no you know relationships to build it on. Very similar to today. You know, and um, so there was that. There was the draft night trade for Jimmy Butler, as you mentioned. There's another draft night trade, or trade for Kevin Love well after the draft had completed, which at the time I wasn't... That was pick for pick. It was though, pick for pick. Say. Yeah, it was getting a rookie. And then, except for that, I mean, it's bringing Kevin Garnett back as an old man. I mean, it's just... There's not much left. I mean, Wiggins for Love was one, but we were still trading away the best player in that deal at the time, so... Yeah, Wiggins for d but that's not...
1: I mean, I, I remember Absolutely. where I was
0: when that happened too, but that doesn't sure. even come close to this.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the biggest one I remember was was the Marbury for Terrell Brandon, which for different reasons yeah. I was like more bummed, <laughs> shattered right. that we were trading away Marbury. Yeah, so, it's it, it's as big of a trade, you know. It's up there to me. It's it's one B to the Jimmy Butler trade, one A kind of thing. Like, I think you're right. Like, I think this one will have a bigger impact on the team because. The Jimmy one was sort of like, get the team into the playoffs, get them to what they were this past year, uh-huh. and not even quite that good. Um, and the, the Gobert, I mean, I don't
0: want to say they're a championship contender, but they're knocking on the door, I feel like. Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk about where we see them in the Western Conference. But if and just in case you've been under a rock today, or had your phone shut off, or whatever it happens to be, and you just see this scrolling through in your podcast feed, you have a, a bunch of true crime podcasts and Howell History you know, coming in. That's and, me. Yeah, right, yeah. In case, the you know, basketball isn't your, necessarily your top thing, but you've got us because you love listening to us and our, our beautiful voices. The Timberwolves made a trade today for Rudy, Rudy Gobert, who is probably fourth, at least the fifth best center in the NBA, if not the fourth best center in the NBA, and some would even, we've been debating for years with other people who would consider him the third best center in the NBA above Carl. But he's most likely the best defensive player in the in the league over the past 10 years, and he's an all-NBA player who can change the course of a franchise immediately. He is, by impact, not necessarily only offensive impact, but he's, he's still super valuable there, one of the top 15 players in the league. And we can discuss who else you would rather have, but the Wolves made a massive swing today. Tim Connelly, the new pre- v- president of basketball operations. Went all in, he identified his guy, he, he and Chris Finch, to find what they want to do long-term. And they decided they were going to get a center. So they traded out Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Michael Beasley, Malik Beasley, not Michael Beasley. I'm not the first <laughs> one to make that often. mistake, but yeah. I caught myself like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I didn't I mean, even catch it. If you didn't make that face. I would have been like, <laughs> Anyway, Bev, Vando, Beasley, uh, Leandro Barmero, and then their new rookie, Walker Kessler along with first-round picks in 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029, the first three of which are completely unprotected, and then uh, pick swap in 2026. So there is consternation there. There is worry and risk that the Timberwolves traded too much, not necessarily in current players, but in draft capital moving forward if, for some reason, this goes south, which personally I feel is a little bit overblown because we are protected against that due to the fact that we still have Carl Anthony Towns and anthony edwards but they gave up a lot they gave up the the kevin durant draft pick package for rudy gobert and kevin durant's not coming here so that's you know a near neither here nor there but that was a lot of picks and we can talk about whether or not you would have done it whether or not you would have you know you would have considered doing it before they made the deal but that's the package going out i don't where do you want to start because there's a lot
1: well let's start on the value i mean i i, I agree like you hear four draft picks. Some people are calling it five because of the swap Kessler. or well, or Kessler. Yeah, five like, first rounders I, and a swap, essentially. Yeah, however yeah. they're deci- defining it. And it's like, I so I got a call from my dad right after this right. trade happened. And he was like, well, how do you feel? Because I actually, I feel like it's too much. And I'm like, well, he's like, that's a lot of picks. That's like the Herschel Walker trade all over again. And I'm like, so how do you feel about Walker Kessler? I've never heard of him before, like, before the draft. And I'm like. <laughs> Me either. Right. And I like, you know, I I'm talked myself
0: into him. Absolutely. Yeah, sure.
1: I, I did. And there, I liked reasons that we drafted him. He's a, he's a rim protector. He's not a Rudy Gobert. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that you hope is playing in three years still for this team. Um, you know, like you, you see that he can fill a need, but you're, there's no guarantee he makes the team. And you look at all the first round picks around that range, which is where the wolves should be picking over the next four years. Unless something tragically goes wrong. I, I, wouldn't give, I, I wouldn't give up on a Rudy Gobert acquisition for guys of that caliber, right? Right. And then on the flip side, we have a 20-year-old in Anthony Edwards, a 21-year-old in Jaden McDaniels, a 21-year-old in Jalen Noel, 21-year-old Nas Reed, 26-year-old Carlton Towns, 26-year-old D'Angelo Russell. It's a really young team anyway. We talked about this in previous episodes that I felt like it was getting too young. Mm-hmm. Like we needed to kind of mix up some of those picks like we don't need to keep drafting for the future and, and taking home runs we need to fill in around the fringes and get some guys that kind of just help them get over the hump in those final minute situations like against the grizzlies those kinds of things um and so i i like they're going to be 25 26 years old by the time all these picks are given up they're still well within their prime um you know those guys i mean Cat and dilo be 30 31 years old but um, if, if they're even both on the team still, like if this does go wrong, you can always trade cat and start over still yeah, building you around own and Jaden, Yeah, right. get your picks back and build around those two guys. I just, I don't see how you don't do better than what we did this last year. Um, and it's, I, you know, the other, I've said it since last year, you know, on here, I've talked about how I, I wanted to see a team and I wanted it to be our team. Do something against the grain when everybody else is going small and and not playing any seven footers, play two of them, you know, and try to get bigger and just kind of, especially in the playoffs. It's going to be so hard to score when things break down and Mm -hmm. you can kind of set up, you know, defensive schemes to, to stop certain shooters and get them off the line and then force them to have to do something inside. And now we have. You know, two seven-footers and a a Kyle Anderson in there that can defend and a Jaden McDaniels that can defend. I mean, it's going to be a fun defensive team. It is. To go along with still what's going to be a really good offensive team as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that Carl Anthony Towns agreed to his four-year Supermax extension. So we have him locked up for six more years. In a year, we're probably going to be discussing a net contract extensions with both Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels. So we will have them for most likely six to seven more years. And we're going to be locked into these guys. This is the team, and if something goes bad with Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert, you'll trade it a lot for him. But I, I don't, I, I don't want to diminish the impact that Patrick Beverley and Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley have had on this franchise over the past one to two years. It's been, it's been large. It was huge this last year. They changed the culture, bringing Bev and Vando into that starting lineup. Took this team from. Sw- you know, struggling through the first 10, 15 games of the year to actually finding an identity, swimming against, you know, swimming upstream, figuring out what they're going to do, and making their way into the Western Conference playoffs. And that can never be taken away from them, never be taken away from the experience we had with them. But those types, like we got Beverly for Jarrett Culver and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Like those trades are going to be there. And if we trust him commonly to work around the edges, to be able to find the right role players, the same way that he just did with Kyle Anderson and what some are saying is so far the best free agent deal of the summer. We have to trust him that he's going to find the role players because all Timberwolves GMs have been able to find the role players. We've never been able to find the stars to take this team above a lower half of the con- conference position in the playoffs. Like, we've only been the uh, higher seed in a playoff series twice in our entire franchise history and once was in a year when the Lakers just didn't try for the first half of the year. And we lost in the four five series in 2003. Like what does this franchise have to show for keeping all of their assets or even not keeping all of their assets, but not going for the superstars? Like that's where we're at right now. This is, this team is going all in. They're trying to identify what it is. That's going to make us different than everybody else and give us an advantage instead of having to continually identify what they're doing and flexing to that make other people flex to us. And I, I yep. agree. We've talked about it a lot. Zigging when everybody else is zagging, trying to just put the different size. Having guys like Kyle Anderson and Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards out there as perimeter defenders with Gobert in the la- on the back line is night and day different from what Utah was able to put in front of Rudy Gobert. And he is going to look so different. Even the difference between... Mike Conley and d'Angelo Russell, where they're at in their respective careers like we've begged on Russell plenty and through that whole process understood what his value is to this team and it's never been that we just don't want him here it's at the time it was what could else could you get for him but with gobert run you know setting screens running the lane Carl being a pick and pop partner or running his own offense Edwards being a primary offensive creator and McDaniel spotting up whether that happens to be in the corner or as a catch and drive guy, like they have plenty of offense and Delo's just going to be able to thrive in that with the different partners that he has. And especially with everybody he's going to have behind him defensively. Oh, I think, I think this makes
1: this Gobert becomes the best partner Delo can possibly have. It goes from, we trade away Beverly who is, I think problematic to put with Delo because he, you know, he takes away some of the possessions. He, you know, he's another ball dominant guard that's distributing when you already have two, you know, two other ones with and D'Lo. So I think that clears up more room for Dilo to be able to kind of get back to his game. Right. But then I also think, you know, like when we talked about it even last episode about potential trades and I was sort of against, I I didn't think we needed to panic. So I was totally content with kind of taking this team with a couple additions like the Kyle Anderson's and kind of going into next season and, and just seeing how the young guys develop, because that still has to be your biggest area of growth overall. Like mm-hmm. is where Jaden and Ant, what what can they become?
0: And, and I think that's
1: what we expected, right? That was yep. kind of the baseline yeah. that we were looking. And, and this helps them develop as well by having an anchor on defense. Now that can kind of take some of that pressure off, you know, when when there are nights you just need Ant to go out and get 40 it's going to be a lot easier on them than it was even this last year when you had, you know, guys like Beverly next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the uh, the second part of the Delo thing was I always it, if we are trading for trading Delo away to get a big whether it was a John Collins, a Miles Turner or a Rudy Gobert the, my biggest thing was I don't want to give up Jane McDaniels or I don't want to give up all these picks. And I'd prefer to give up the picks over Jane McDaniels. We were able to to get Rudy Gobert without giving up Delo or Jane McDaniels. To me, I just right that's a home run to me because you still have Delo that you could trade if it doesn't work out or, you know, if, mm-hmm. if it's, I, like I said before, I think it's, this only makes D'Lo's role more clear for the team because yeah. I think, you know, having a pick and roll partner like Gobert is such a vast improvement over anything else that we had on the team last year. Somebody posted the stat. There was like uh, of the main pick and roll guys for the, the Wolves. It was, I believe, Nas and Towns and they're mm-hmm. combined Alley-oops were five right. last year. Yeah. Rudy Gobert alone was 93. Yeah, they're not lob... <laughs> th- we haven't had a lob threat
0: no, in forever. Not at all.
1: Yeah. And and that alone is going to help D'Lo. Um So, I like, it's going to help Ant. It's going to help all of them. I just think it's such a big win because it's... Not only is it a... It's another star player you're bringing in, but it's also a star player that, that fits well. If mm-hmm. It fits an area of need. know well, The other area, rebounding. We didn't even talk about rebounding. We talk about rim protection. Right. But yeah. we, we struggled with some rebounding issues at times. And now you bring in the best rebounder in the league. You know, it's just... It's going to be fun to have a twin tower. Like, I mean, this has got to be the best twin towers
0: like Duncan and Robinson. I don't, you know... I can't think of another one that's even close. And I mean, so, but that's the thing. You think back to who has the most experience with Twin Towers. And luckily he's sitting on the Timberwolves bench because it's Chris Finch. He started off with Nurkic and Jokic. He then went to work with Davis or Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins. He, he has made this work in multiple areas. And yeah, the guys have different skill sets, but so do Towns and Gobert. They're completely different players. So if you consider the fact that Towns, makes Gobert's limitations on offense unnecessary or irrelevant. Yeah, irrelevant yeah. yeah you you have to look in defense too and say that Gobert then makes the concerns about Towns playing power forward also irrelevant because right. maybe maybe the two of them together are not Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons defensively as a 4-5 like but at the same time they're going to be pretty close and they're light years ahead of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons offensively. Right. So it's just a matter of how do you make it work? And there's nobody you'd trust more to do that than Chris Finch, who has done this in the past and has expertise at it. And not only are they
1: close to Simmons and Embiid, if if not, you know, neck and neck, they, Simmons and Embiid had nothing like an Anthony Edwards. Right. Next to them. They had, you know, I, um, D'Lo was similar in, uh, Tobias Harris, you know, in terms of like level mm-hmm. of play, but I think Delo's a better fit with these guys than like Tobias Harris is with them. I mean, Tobias was essentially the Beasley role for them, just a better version of that. Um, whereas Delo is going to be the guy, you know, like throwing up those lob passes and using the pick and rolls, and that Gobert is going to
0: provide now that you know he didn't really have a pick and roll partner. Yeah, I prior. mean, if you want to look at the best version of that Philadelphia team, and you want to compare Delo to the Tobias Harris. Anthony Edwards can be the Jimmy Butler for what they had for that half of a season. Yeah. And they were one bounce away from a Kawhi Leonard shot from most likely being in the finals and possibly winning it due to the injuries to Golden State. So if that's the level that we've put ourselves on, if that's the competitiveness, if that's the expectation that we're looking at, that's... And a... we didn't, you didn't even
1: throw in Jaden McDaniels. What They didn't have a Jaden McDaniels either. Right. right.
0: Like, so now you had a Jaden I think McDaniels they had J.J. State. Redick at the time, which is not totally the same yeah. totally different player but if you're looking at that level of contribution I would put Jaden McDaniels next year up Yeah, yeah, you get, Riddick, you, get, yeah. you
1: make up the offense with JJ Redick that Jimmy gives you more yes
0: defense than Ant. Ant, Ant and Jaden versus Jimmy and JJ. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. right. So I I like it so I hadn't thought about that comparison that team comparison heading into it but I I think it is at least the level of team that we're looking at right here. And yeah, they could be a little bit clunky right away, but they have the rest of the offseason, They have all of training camp to start figuring out what this is going to look like. And you are, and it won't be clunky like the start last year, because
1: you have the defensive player of the year. Yeah. You know, you the, have too much talent prebounder. for it to
0: be a below 500 clunky. Yeah.
1: If, if you can't figure out your offense, I mean, part of the reason why it was clunky to start this, the, this last year is because you also, you interject, Patrick Beverly is a big focal point, even if he wasn't in the starting lineup yet. And then you have, so you have essentially two point guards and a sh- ball dominant shooting guard in your first three, pos- you know, positions. And then you have your best player at the five. So you're trying to like balance yeah. shot attempts for four. I mean, even though Beverly wasn't an offensive focused player, he became that for Minnesota. I think almost to a detriment towards the end of the season. I thought he was too dominant with the ball. Now, would I take Patrick Beverly back in a heartbeat? Like, if there was a, a means, we, we joked before we jumped on, that if he was somehow included in a trade, you know, in another trade here, and then get bought out so that the Wolves had an opportunity to bring him back, that would be fantastic. Right. Um, yeah,
0: they are not, not legally allowed to sign him this season if Utah waives him. Right. So, uh, or not, Not I guess not waives him, if Utah buys him Buy out. Buys Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah,
1: so it's uh that would be that would be fun cuz I do think that will be a need that you're going to still need a third guy that can play some point guard minutes for you. So, um whether it's to play more minutes, play the similar minutes that Beverly played last year or to play at least give McLaughlin some time and you know mm-hmm. you know Delo's going to probably miss a few games. Um but I don't I be super curious. I wish I was a fly on the wall wherever Delo was when this news came out right. to see because I think he's been pretty down this summer, feeling like, okay, fans kind of turned on me. Seems like the team's sort of looking another right, direction. Yeah, yeah. Getting rid of me. And once again, I'm on a, a situation where I can't really call it home, um, which he made clear was pretty important to him when he came here originally. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the interview with him yesterday at his youth camp, and he was saying, oh, I can't control it. You know, he just seemed a little somber. Now, he never really gets too high or too low. That's why they, that, that's one of his, his, traits that you want in him. But I would just would have loved to see, cause like I got to believe that he's like, okay, well looking at this roster, they kind
0: of need me now. Right. Like, His I'm negotiating point in these contract extension talks just got a lot stronger. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, it's if I'm him, I almost want to wait until the off season. Cause I think he's, if he sticks around, he's going to have a really big year this year. Yeah. I think because things are going to open up for him offensively. Cause there's going to be less, Guys, that, you know, p- think about it. He can pick up some of the slack on offense that Beasley is going to mm-hmm. leave. And he's going to be having the ball in his hands more now because Beverly's gone. So he's going to be doing better offensively there. And then he's going to have a guy that can play off of him better, you know, with and picker rolls and stuff with with Rudy. Um, and even a little bit with Kyle Anderson. I think Kyle Anderson's going to be another really good partner for D'Lo. Um And so I... I think offensively he's going to have a you know, really nice game, nice season scoring and then assists, you know, just I'm like, he's going to be the, the lob city guy with, with Rudy. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Like I, I, it's, it's hard to say. It's like, I don't know what the wolves do with dealer going forward because like you sort of have to trade him or resign them now. Right. Because you can't let him walk anymore because then you like you're over the caps. So you're not going to be able to, add that third player anymore or fourth player now whatever it is it's so weird to think we have two super max guys yep. right now plus a guy that's going to be up for a max in ant and another max player in teal <laughs> like it's it's just it's this this small market like i saw somebody post at the stat muse the Timberwolves are currently the only team in the league
0: with two 200 plus million dollar players yeah
1: that seems hard to believe. I gotta like I
0: would have thought wouldn't Brooklyn with Kyrie and KD still technically their a, contracts weren't long enough to have reached that um that threshold. Okay. And, and, I mean I mean the and these two hundred million dollar contracts are only recently due to the cap increases of right, right, the last right, couple right. of years. But so
1: still it's just like you think AD and LeBron or right. like you'd think that there'd be a couple other combos out there that would have still hit that. So I was just trying to think like where that would come from. Anyway, it's kinda cool. Like the small
0: market Minnesota Timberwolves are the first team with two of them. Right. Um, I mean, this new ownership group is coming in and going all in. I mean, if for some reason they hit a point in a year or two and they say, oh, like, yeah, we got you these guys. We brought in these guys, but we're not willing to pay the luxury tax to fill in anything around them. We're going to have a whole nother conversation at that point, because if you bring in Rudy Gobert and you offer Carl Anthony Towns a supermax, like you're just you're going for a championship and if you are going for a championship you have to be okay to pay the luxury tax at some point
1: yeah but i could see it like in three years and if they're just like kind of like the the kg wolf teams where they're like really good regular season record and if they're middling if they haven't proven anything then yeah and then why would you invest why would you pay the luxury tax for for that then you start looking at like okay which of these guys can we Unload for picks, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm not even saying you have to like blow it up and start over. You just figure out, okay, like what can we get for Rudy at this point? Yeah. Um, can we get a pick back for Rudy? Like he's he's gonna be a plus player through the rest of his career, so it's not gonna be like a one of those guys where you're gonna have to load up a bunch of picks just for somebody to take that contract, just because he's gonna be the type of guy that a budding contending team is gonna be interested in taking back, taking on. Um, so I don't think there's a ton of risk from that standpoint I mean so that's why I say I just don't think giving up the four draft picks plus Kessler who nobody even in Wolves Kingdom I I never even heard his name till draft night he never even came up in the mocks or in the the stories that I saw now I'm sure there's people that watch a lot of college basketball that know more about him but I just don't think that's a reason to not make a trade is for You know, a Kessler-level player. Yeah,
0: the Wolves are sitting at 19, and the only thing that was unanimous across Wolves' Twitter was that people did not want Walker Kessler to be the pick, heading into the number 19. So, like, nobody knew who they wanted. There were 13 different opinions out there because there was no unanimous, there was no consensus player that they should be going after. It was just everybody felt would have been disappointed with Walker Kessler. And the only reason that people talked themselves into it was because they traded down and got that second first round pick as well. So they thought yeah. that the value well, of the team was at the same. Like,
1: even yeah, if they took I him mean, at 19, yeah. you know, I would have been one of those guys that would have. I, I didn't feel like I didn't want him even then. Like When we when he was there at 19, I, w- I wasn't really thinking, oh, we can't draft him because we, we were terrible at evaluating tall white guys. Um, I just was like, well, there's nobody here at 19 that I'm like going to be excited about. Yeah. So I don't really care what they do with this pick. I don't care who they take. I don't care if they trade down. I don't care if they trade out. (laughs) I really didn't have a strong opinion either way. Um, And the fact that they... The weird thing is, looking back at it, they traded and they ended up getting an extra first-round pick that night. And they didn't use... Well, I guess they they did use one of them, ultimately, for the Rudy Bear because they traded Kessler. But it would have been interesting if they would have picked up future first-round picks Mm -hmm. with some of the... Instead um, of current? Yeah, instead of current ones, uh, how that would have worked. So I guess maybe they had this playing all along because now more becomes a little bit more important yeah um because he actually has a spot now on this team where you know there was a chance he could have been relegated to the g league for the season um now i think you know unless he's just awful in
0: summer league that mm-hmm. he probably ha- he probably makes the roster uh, um i mean as it's a first weird, just, as it's... a first round pick he's gonna make the roster it's just he's gonna well, sign meant, his like, four-year Apple, like, deal playing. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right,
1: But yeah, we just the other night when we were recording, we were talking about like, well, there's not really any room to add anybody, and here we are. Right. (laughs) A a few days later, now we need like, okay, we got four open roster roster
0: roster spots (laughs) spots all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is fun because now it's like, oh, what are yeah, what's next? What direction do we go? You know. So let's let's take a look at the current roster as it stands after the trade today. We have D'Lo at point guard, which will. Bring that back just a little bit more. We need to talk about what he's going to mean to this team moving forward. We have D'Lo with j Mac, and that's really it. And Delo himself has always claimed to be more of a combo guard, but I, he's, he's just going to have to be the point guard moving forward. I, I, like,
1: I honestly think that but he just started claiming that this year, and I think
0: he started claiming it this year because of contract. Sure, yeah, opera. he wants to
1: increase his own value, but yeah, I never um, heard him say he wasn't a point guard before. Yeah, you know?
0: but so he—I mean—he's a starting point guard, and with J-Mac is currently the only backup option at that position. there's going to be a lot of delo and I know that they love J Mack. I know, and, and both of them are going to worry less about their defensive deficiencies with Gobert behind them and Kyle Anderson, Jaden McDaniels, and whatever that, ha- that happens to look like. So they'll both look better defensively. Hopefully, they can figure out the scheme around them offensively. Um, but the, so they have those two. Ant's going to start at shooting guard, which I think is what we've been asking for, especially with Jaden starting at the three. That's been one of our primary goals this off season. I think we were kind of hoping that it would come at the. Uh, with the addition of a, a true power forward next to carl but uh, that's not necessary we weren't going to get a power forward as good as rudigo Barra, so they they still slide them down ants at the two jayden's at the three and the backup wings are going to be J- uh, Jalen noel who they've been going out of their way to praise uh, they you know another n- small piece of news from the last few days is they did pick up the options on both Jalen noel and nas reed so they're coming back uh, at their 1.9 million million dollar salaries for one final year before they'll be unrestricted free agents in the upcoming offseason so um, they will not have the the restricted free agency that they could have had uh, if they had chosen to decline those options. But I mean, if you look at a guy like Jay Sean Tate down in Houston, he had the same deal, the same option that, you know, down there, they declined his option, uh, kept him at restricted, and then brought him back essentially at the full mid-level. It was, you know, $7-8 eight million a year. So um, I think looking at the other salaries on this team, I know that you're taking a risk in letting these guys be unrestricted next year, especially if Noel has a much larger role with Beasley moving out um, and Beverly moving out. But I don't know if you could have just locked yourselves into three years at $8 million a piece for him right now. Um, Yeah. So he's going to play a large, much larger role unless they find more shooting somewhere else, which I think they they need to keep looking at. Um, But then they'll have, uh, Torian Prince, who's back, uh, we talked about him in our last episode. We had that piece of news. Luckily, everything else has been new. Um, he'll be, you know, either a, a small backup small forward, backup power forward, uh, to be able to play both those forward positions. Uh, Wendell Moore Jr. He'll be, you know, backup two and backup three, so he'll play both of those positions. And then, as we mentioned, they brought in Kyle Anderson, slow mo from Memphis, uh, one of the top value adds uh, in free agency so far. He's going to be perfect for this team. His length, his defensive efficiency. The only thing he doesn't do well is shoot a th- the three pointer, um, and that has even come and gone throughout his career. So it's going to depend on what that, that season looks like. But his ability to distribute, his ability to create off the dribble. Uh, and when and, you say he can't hit a three pointer, we're
1: not talking Vandal levels.
0: No, I mean he's just not. He's, he's not a France or yeah, he's, he's not Beasley. His yeah, value yeah. is not in his shooting. Right. So, but he has value everywhere. Everywhere else. else. Yeah. yeah. So if he's he not shoot. Yeah. If he could shoot, he'd be a twenty million dollar player. Right. Absolutely. And we brought him in at two years, sixteen or. Er, Two years, $18 million. Uh, Yeah. Yep, $18, years, 18 So, But they they guaranteed that second year, so it's going to dip into next year's cap space a little bit, which we'll talk about when we get into the d conversation. Um, they were willing to invest a little bit more in the future. So they'll have him probably at the 3-4 as well as Tori and Prince. more is a 4, and I would assume Prince would be more of, more of a 3. Um, and which then, I think
1: works better for Prince as well, yep. as
0: we talked about last episode. And then, like I said, we have Wendell Moore, who will be there as injury insurance for any of the shooting guards or small forwards you know if if any of Prince or McDaniels or Noel or Ant go down for any period of time at the moment Moore's gonna have to step in and play because they're gonna need him on on that depth Um, and then that big rotation man I know we talked about Prince and Anderson as as that possible backup fours but Carl at the four Gobert at the five and I can't believe this is the case but even with sending out five players in a trade today, Nas Reed is still on the roster. But I think actually Nas fits really well
1: now. The whole issue we had with Nas, and I've said it so many times, it's getting old, is that he's just a poor man's version of the cat. Yeah. But when you have a generational defensive player now to kind of anchor that five, like you kind of don't want to go two defensive centers. Mm-hmm. Like you, you kind of want another offensive-minded. Center and it, you'd, it'd be hard to find another now, you, especially when you're paying a combined nearly what is it going to be 70 80 million dollars to the a year to um right <laughs> your two bigs? Yeah, you can't go out and spend another eight or nine million dollars a year on a third right on a center. backup center. Yeah, so you, you know, Nas is kind of in a perfect spot now. He probably won't make the team next year, somebody else will probably pay him more than we can afford to pay him next year. So, this is probably his last. Mm-hmm you know, run with the wolves um, because I think if they have to prioritize based on what the roster is today, next year, Jalen Noel will be the priority over Nas. Absolutely. Right. You're going to be, they heavier. need guard depth. Yep. Yeah. Um, but who knows? That a lot could change. I mean, a lot changed since the last time we talked. So <laughs> we <laughs> <laughs> three days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like we could uh, be sitting here with six point guards next time we talk. Um, but yeah, I just think it's, I, I, I mean, and I have always like Nas better than you anyway. So I like, Nas even more with the team as it is now. I mean, I, I kind of touched on it last time when we were talking about it with Kessler. That's like, okay, well now you have your rim protector. Yep. Nas and Kessler can kind of they can flip between them depending on what they need. If they need defense, they can put Kessler out there need Now, you have your defense offense set for the bulk of the game. It's mm-hmm. just, Nas is just gravy. He, you put Nas out there with Kyle Anderson who can't shoot, Nas can shoot. Now, that's a perfect combo too. It's almost like Kyle Anderson becomes the poor man's go bear. Right. And Nas becomes the poor man's
0: cat as your backup. And they're just going against, you know, other backups. So. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. And with the way that we looked at the roster a lot last year, we really wanted it. You know, we talked a lot about, we need to find a starting power forward so that Vando and Nas can be your backup, your backup bigs and play next to each other. And on one hand, Kyle Anderson can slide into that really well because he is the defensive power forward at that position he's not the shooter but he's going to do a lot of things really well that Nas doesn't do and they're going to compliment each other well but at the same time if everybody's healthy there should never be a minute in an nba timberwolves basketball game that carl anthony towns or rudy gobert are not on the floor right right so it's not going to be exactly the same first unit second unit that we were very used to last year yeah um so I, at this point, we have to leave it very much up to Chris Finch and how he's going to manage these minutes, how he's going to get these guys to fit next to each other. Does Knobs f- play well next to Carl? I don't think he. We have seen that as evidenced yet. Um, will he play well next to Gobert if in the right matchups? Possibly. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe he's the power. You slide him in at the power forward when Gobert is out there and Carl takes a rest. I, I guess I'd be surprised by that because you still have Kyle Anderson, you still have Torian Prince, and with Gobert in the back line you can give up that a little bit of size and have, you know, more spacing around him when Carl's not on the floor. So I don't, just like we talked about with, uh, with more Nas is mostly going to be a guy. We trust on a cheap contract just for when one of these guys is down, you know, we're going to, I think we're going to see a lot less Nas this year than we saw last year, even though his experience, his skill level should be increasing, at, you know, year.
1: well, yeah, we definitely will because it's, it's going to be a lot harder to take minutes away from Rudy Gobert than it was over Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. You know, like it, you know, Vanderbilt was a liability on offense. Like that's, it, it is just what it is. Like, and Kyle Anderson's not going to be a liability on offense. Rudy Gobert is not the offense, uh, an offense from juggernaut, but he's not a liability on offense. Like, so it's going to be hard for Nas to take those minutes away. That being said, I could see, we might still see similar minutes because we might have more blow victories. Right. So we just might need, and Nas might be just playing a lot of fourth quarter minutes because there's, you know, we're up 25 in the fourth quarter. So um, I just, you know, it's a good fit. It's cheap. I I can't think of a center at his price range that I would rather have now Mm -hmm. with Gobert and Towns on the team. And, you know, when we talked about wanting a power forward, if I had a pick of all the guys that were kind of the Wolves had interest in, I would have had... Collins is my number one guy to go after. Yep. Um, but I didn't want to give up Jaden for him either. I didn't really want to give up Delo.
0: It would have been a similar package that we gave up for Gobert with maybe less picks for Collins. One and, pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's Beasley. It, if you're willing to include Beverly, maybe that's more value there. But it's yeah. always been Beasley plus something plus a pick, you know, and trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah.
1: But now, you know, like the fact that we got Gobert without giving up Delo and without giving up Jaden mm-hmm. – like I, it's almost preferred to me than the original Collins idea, um, and I think you kind of just got yourself the best power forward in the league, and Carl by adding Rudy Gobert because now Carl becomes the right. de facto best power forward in the league. I I don't think it, can't think
0: of a power forward I would take over him unless you count Giannis. As right, well. I, that's always the, the yeah differentiator. Yeah, you can't yep. Giannis as a power forward, and he's going to be better than anybody at any position you put him exactly. In. So, yeah. yeah, so I I mean. And for those of you keeping score at home, that's 11 players. And we have at least three, if not four spots to fill. They left a little bit of space in the mid-level exception uh, with that Kyle Anderson offer in case I th- there, I've seen some people uh, assume that they're leaving space so that they could sign Josh Minot to a an actual NBA contract because you can't do that at the minimum for longer than two seasons. Um, so if they want to sign him for, you know, the, the Gupta special, you know, the one plus one plus one plus one, or even two plus, you know, two team option years, whatever that looks like, they have to do, have a little bit of space over the minimum to do that. So they left a little bit of space on the mid level and maybe he's an end of the bench, you know, guy that spends most of the year in the G league rather than a two way um Nathan Knight is another guy that was a two-way last year. They kept him around on a qualifying offer so uh, they have right of first refusal on any offers he receives this year as well as if he just wants to come back as a two-way player again next year. They they can do that. Um so it, and he would that would change the the Naz discussion too because
1: I think Nas. so Nate Knight comes a little bit of the poor man's Gobert um in ter- well he's not really a defensive player but he's a, he's a springer. He has a opera. the he has the ability to be more of a shot blocker than Nas. Um, he, but he can also shoot, as I keep pointing out. Like, when you watch him shoot around, he, he can actually stroke it. So, I guess what I'm saying is, if Nate Knight ends up sticking around, then I could see shopping Nas and getting something for him this year before mm-hmm. that comes up. And maybe, maybe you get to a team where you say, hey, you know, give us your first-round pick. If it's a, even if it's a late first-round pick for Nas Reed, you get a guy that can play center for you. you know, I mean, not Nas we'll have value to a lot of teams this year. So if they do end up moving them, you know, I think you can get some value back.
0: Yeah. I mean, the only rumors that we've, either of us have seen since the Gobert trade went down. Now that they have open roster spots is that they, they have checked in on the Martin twins, Cody and Caleb. They've played for multiple teams, different years, uh, different, you know, different teams. They've never really played together. I don't know if that means that they're looking to bring both of them on or one of them, but they would both come in as a, you know, a necessary and needed, shooting threat off the bench there have to be more uh irons in the fire at this point they have to be reaching out to other guys that might be willing to come in at the minimum um either that or maybe there's another trade in the works but if we look at the rest of the roster there's not a whole like you said maybe you move nas for i don't a guard you know whatever it happens to be but there isn't that like this is the one spot that we need to identify Depth chart wise, there might yep. be a skill that we need. We need more shooting, but there's isn't I, that spot would, on the depth chart. You could, you couldn't say like we don't have a backup point guard because we yep. do. We can't say we don't have a backup shooting guard that we trust because we do. It's I would just, like
1: to get a little bit more defense in the point guard position. Like you know, a yeah. backup point guard that is a just a really good defender, even if they're not, even if they're not a shooter. I would take them because you know, McLaughlin and D'Lo can both shoot. Like if you can just get a guy that can play. You know, really shut down the point of attack defender for a few minutes when Ant needs a rest or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and even if... Ant's not always the best at that either. He rises to the occasion sometimes. He kind of loses interest sometimes. So if you can find another... It doesn't have to be Patrick Beverly level, but somebody that can... Be a, add a little bit more grit to the defense at the point guard position. I would like that. And as you pointed out, shooting, although I'm not overly concerned with shooting because I think Jalen Noel can be a good shooter. I think Torian Prince has shown that he's, he, you know, he was able to fill in when Beasley was down and become a really good shooter for us. Um, I think Delo will, will be better at shooting. McLaughlin's going to play more minutes as it stands right now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's probably a better shooter than even Beverly was last year. So I don't know that shooting is going to be super crucial. Um, like I said all along, whatever moves we make, I wanted the moves to make sure that Ant and Cat had not less touches than what they had this last year, and if anything, more touches. And I think adding Rudy Gobert does that. You take away how many three-point attempts that that Beasley was taking a game, uh-huh. um, even if he was doing well with those. Like I, I still would rather those go to Cat and Ant and Delo than Malik, and so that opens that up to them.
0: Yeah, I, they have guys. It's just a matter of, do they have the right guys and who are they going to find to round it out? Because you can't only rely on Wendell Moore Jr. as your break glass in case of emergency wing. They have to ha- they have to add another wing. They have to, like you said, it would be nice to have a third point guard on the roster, even if it's somebody that's behind McLaughlin to start the year on the death chart. Um, they've missed out on my guy Aaron Holiday. Unfortunately, he signed a one-year deal in Atlanta, so that dream is dead, but um, but it, I think what it does with the backups that
1: we have and stuff, it allows them to go and get the best value, best yep. player available, regardless of position, because they have kind of two set guys at each position. They can take whatever is the best value. They'll add a couple more guys, but whatever the best value is, that's where the bulk of that money will go to for that you know third position somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it probably makes more sense if it's a combo guard, point guard, shooting guard, you know, yep. just in terms of balance, but doesn't even necessarily have to because you can still you can get a say they end up finding another power forward that might be a good shooter, a you know PJ Tucker type or something. You know, um, then they can trade Nas and then you know get a point guard that way. Maybe I don't know, but they have a lot of options. It's kind of the point.
0: And see, breaking news: the Timberwolves have agreed to terms with Bren Forbes, according to the Athletic. Johnny K just tweeted that. So uh there's your shooter uh your one two combo guy we saw him uh nail quite a few shots with milwaukee in the playoffs a couple years ago uh i'm going to pull up bren forbes stats right now so that i don't misspeak i believe my opinion of him and my uh expectation that he's coming in as a shooter and that's what they're looking for so give me one second basketball reference uh let's see brent forbes 6'2 205 right-handed shooting guard slash point guard six years nba experience with san antonio milwaukee uh back with san antonio and a little bit of time in denver last year Uh, he is a career 41 percent three-point shooter so we'll take that um he's going to be a shooter off the bench and uh yeah i think if you're looking for minimum guys that are coming in to fill guard roles it's about as good as you're going to do Yeah, and the the
1: comments on Twitter are all all positive on this one. (laughs) It's all W, W. Right. Nice, nice, uh, some nice (laughs) beams (laughs) posted as well, but that, so there you have it. Like we literally, I was just saying, it looks like a combo guard type guy would be the right kind of position to fill up for balance. And there they go. That's, that's who they first, uh, they bring in. So super interesting.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that's, you know that's twelve. You know whether or not they bring out they add a minot to make it thirteen will be another thing. I, I think the final piece to touch on today is what this means for D'Angelo Russell. We we mentioned it makes him more valuable to this team. His role is going to be larger. He's going to have the a better. We think it's going to be a better combination of players around him. And the situation has changed for this team. They no longer have the additives or the sweeteners to put with him to trade up for something. They don't have the—he They he fills a huge need in this team. So if you move him out, you have to bring back a starting point guard back. There's no longer the flexibility to go trade him for a big and then use your mid-level to bring in a point guard or to find a point guard another way because you've traded everything away. There's no more trade to bring in a replacement and not only that, but we are now are at a point where the maximum cap space with the current roster that we can come up with next season, even in our, our gap year, our window that we've been talking about for weeks is about $20 million if we just let everybody walk. So you can't, you can no longer even replace him with superstar number three, you know, or max contract number three. We already have, are going to have max contract number three because we got Gobert, but max contract number four. So that negotiation with d'angelo russell has completely changed and yeah we might be down on what he did in the playoffs or we might have wanted more out of him at different times last year but he is what we've got at this point and they need to start having that that extension conversation i still would i still wouldn't expect them to walk in and say well now that we got gobert here's your maximum contract extension offer i would they still have a year left on that deal. And like you said, he's going to get a chance to play really well. So I think there's less risk of if you wanted to play out the season and see where it goes of him shutting down on you, because he's going to see the opportunity in front of him as well. If he plays well this year and there are a number, you know, two or three seed in the Western conference, it's going to make him a lot of money. So mm-hmm. um, he's going to have to put in the effort this year, no matter what, but if he does that and he's a max guy and you could have gotten him for less than the max this off season, I think that conversation should be had at this point. Yeah. I,
1: I, w- w- what's the number for you that you'd feel comfortable with if you were to extend him before the season started?
0: I mean, mid season, I kind of hypothesized that I we would see like a three for 90. I don't want to see, I don't want to see what his new max could be. I also think that, rightly so he would be insulted by something that's a major pay cut so to say you are still at the 30 million dollar range like which is generally where you were before um and whether or not there's an option on one side or not i don't know like i'd love to see three for 75 if they could bring him in at 25 million per i i think that's i was
1: looking at four for 100 so i think that's where we're yeah So I was surprised you went as high as you did.
0: No, and I think that's just more of I. I would sign him if I were the Wolves. I'd want to bring him back at twenty five million per, and I think that'd be good value for him. I think with the with the change of the equation recently, I think if the number is thirty million dollars a year, and that's something that ownership
1: he says yes. Personally, I think he would he would take that because he's not going to get to a team that has more talent on it at that point for more money. Yeah. Than what the Wolves would be paying him, if thirty million dollars, he's he'd be on the most talented team he could he could get on, without you know taking a far less money. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty five million
0: might even be that. It, it might be, him. and that's what they should be shooting for, because yeah. I think at that point, then you can look at it and say we have a good a top half starting point guard at a good value because we're, we're seeing what other point guards sign for. So when you're looking at him at 33 34 35 million that's when you start to say like like maybe they have to bite the bullet and just say like yeah this is our team and if we lose him we can't replace him it's the same position dallas is in with jalen brunson right now right, right you can't really get to unrestricted free agency because if he has another city in his, in his heart where he'd rather be then you can't you can't do anything about it you're well over the cap you're well you're, you're close to the tax you can't replace him you know, unless you get a sign and trade but even in that you're not getting back somebody of his caliber so they decided today that this is their team. They chose to keep D'Lo out of this trade. They chose to keep Jaden out of this trade. They don't have any picks to figure out you know, more moves down in the future. And yeah, there's always going to be flexibility. There's always going to be something you can do. Connolly's not just going to sit in his hands for the next five years. But this is the team they're rolling with. And I, I don't see any path forward where D'Lo is still a trade chip because you're not getting a better point guard than D'Lo for D'Lo. Right, right, I, and that was kind of my point all along on d is that you weren't gonna
1: be able to get a, a better point guard for him, so you had to make it up elsewhere. And we now we made it up elsewhere without giving up Um uh, So now your your post is set, and so, um, yeah, it, it, it'll be super interesting. Yeah, I I would at least start having that conversation with him, and just kind of getting a feel for where, where he's at. I think he would probably feel better. He keeps talking about security, so I think if if you make an offer to him i think the 30 million dollars a year he would just say he would just accept outright i i think that puts us on a pretty tough spot mm-hmm. with three max players plus a 30 million a year player in a few years yeah it's um, it's a lot of money it's a ton of money and so i that makes it tough but does 5 million dollars a year make a big difference between 25 to 30 you know i don't know how much of a difference that'll make i mean I, if you're into the repeater tax it could be the difference of $15 dollars a year which I, I'm sure the ownership group's not going to be mm-hmm. wanting to toss
0: that away. So, um, I mean, so, uh, so I'm taking a look at the, the spreadsheet that Dane Moore continually tweets out every time we make a transaction because he keeps track of all the Wolves' salaries here and into the future. And right now, the wolves, after the Rudy Gobert trade, are sitting at $116 million in guaranteed contracts for next year. I take it back. Right. Not guaranteed, but. Most likely guaranteed. Jordan McLaughlin, Jade McDaniels, Anthony edwards are not going. You know, and right. Torian Prince is on is in that list at eight million. But I'd be surprised since they're not going for maximum cap space if they would just let him walk over eight million dollars. Yeah, you know, so that's super cheap for what he provides. So. um so and even, you know, even if you let him walk, you're at one one oh eight with twenty one million dollars in cap space, and you need a bunch of spots to fill. So. The likelihood that you'd be filling that spot with one player is is low. So, um, so I'm assuming that they're coming back. They're at one sixteen, but the the tax line next year is probably at about one fifty eight. So they're they're forty two away from that, um, and that is let's see one two three four five six seven eight players. If you bring back D-Lo at thirty million dollars, you have twelve million dollars left for six players. So that's six you have. You, <laughs> You can add six minimum contracts if you want to stay under that tax line. So that's really the question is going to be, where do they feel like they're at, and are they willing to start paying the tax as soon as next year?
1: Six players wouldn't it be. You said eight players
0: plus well, Dilo. Dilo would bring on be nine, and then you'd have six open roster spots to get to you know to, to get up to fifteen. F-
1: full fifteen, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So you could sit at fourteen if you want to. They've done that the last two years because they yep. got too close to the tax line. But um, if they're willing to pay the tax, and especially a small tax amount. They could jump right in because twenty twenty four twenty five, it's Gobert, it's Towns and Wendell Moore right now on their on their cap line, and yeah, that'll include Ant and yeah, it'll include Jaden, but everybody else is, you know, floating away. So and that's the hard part with EVO because Ant's gonna get the max. Yep. If Jade comes
1: close to re- reaching the potentials that, I mean, I'm the biggest Jaden lover out there, but he's he's become as untouchable as anybody on this organization. And if he hits that potential, he's going to be a really expensive player too. He's going to probably be a 20, $25 million a year Mm -hmm. guy. If he gets close to what people expect him to. Um, So that's, that's just, it's so much money. I just, I can't even wrap my head around it. It's it's, (laughs) it's going to
0: be, it's going to be a lot. And that's, so that's really the only thing that's going to come in to get in the way of this. And I, Maybe Connolly still isn't a fan of D'Lo. Maybe he decided that we need to keep Dilo out of this because he's our only P- chip left to change the roster in any way. If I wanted to turn him into two guys, whatever it looks like, you know, I, I don't know. But,
1: well, the reality is, it's it's Chris Finch that's making a lot of the roster decisions. Yeah, and, you know, I said it last episode. When Chris Finch talks, you kind of have to believe him. And he talked last time, you know, last when he was available for to media, he talked about how important Jalen Noel is going to be this year. And then look what happens. They Mm -hmm. they trade Beasley. They asked him, is D'Angelo Russell going to be on the roster next year? And he goes, well, I certainly hope so. Yeah, He's been a champion of D'Angelo Russell since he got here. Um, I think D'Lo felt like maybe he lost a little bit of that um, trust from Chris Finch in the playoffs. You know, when he wasn't even on the court in the closing moments. And I think this proves that that trust is back. The fact that he was willing to move a guy... As important as Pat Beverly to bring in or to keep delo and bring in a anchor on the defense. I mean, to me, it it seems like it's a sign of respect to Dilo. Like the the moves they made are as important to Dilo as they are to the team. Yeah, you know, or should be um, for for his individual
0: success. I think. I mean, as we've talked about before, he he slightly bristled at Pat Bev, especially when Pat Bev got his extension and Delo didn't. He lost a little bit of control of the team, right? You know, rightfully probably to Ant as we continue to try to make him into the next franchise player or franchise player one A, one B, or one C. You know, you know, with Carl and Gobert on the rosters now, but he didn't need to be losing control of this roster to Patrick Beverly. You
1: right. know it, That's the weird thing because he's still kind of going to be the fourth guy now with Gobert. The mm-hmm. difference is is. Gobert opens things up. He's going to make D'Lo a better player and vice versa D'Lo will make Gobert a better player in a way that Beverly didn't make D'Lo better. Yeah. Rubio didn't make D'Lo better. So D'Lo was always sort of like forced into a position where he's playing, sharing the load with another creator. guard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this opens a lot of that up for him. I mean, McLaughlin was, had a nice run in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. again, he didn't have Dylan Brooks guarding him. You know And and they're gonna lean on him a lot too. And McLaughlin's gonna yep. have a large role this year as well. But... Yeah. And the nice thing is McLaughlin has a little bit of a D lo type personality. Never too high, never too mm-hmm. low. Um, you know, they're different types of players, but personality wise, you know, so it's I don't I just
0: wish the season was starting next week, man. I know. <laughs> just ready for it. I mean yeah. we're we're excited. We're I we we'll have another episode soon. We'll go into all of the the alternatives, the hypotheticals: the, Would you have done this? Would you have made this deal different? The other big trades that happen between now and right, Sunday. yeah. I mean, a bunch is going to change. <laughs> you know, who knows where Kevin Durant is going? It's there's a lot to look onto. There's there are reasons to to dislike this trade. I and I think we can get into those a little bit more as well. But I think for now, this is like I said, emergency podcast, Rudy Gobert edition. There's no reason tonight to be anything but excited for the 2022-2023 Minnesota Timberwolves. And if you if you wanted them to take a step out of the play-in group, if you wanted to guarantee that this team was going to go for it and actually care about getting better, this is the best you could have hoped for. They went for it. They cho- They picked a direction. They, cho- they found their guy, and there's... A- maybe we'll take a look at guys in the league who could be considered better than Rudy Gobert next time and figure out if there are any players better than him that could have possibly moved, switched teams. And I'm I can almost guarantee you the answer is going to be no. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's take a look next week. But they, this is an exciting day. This is a fun day. This is a remember where you were day. And I I'm super excited. And like you said, let's get this started. Yeah, wolves back. Wolves back, baby. We still got <laughs> Ant. We still got Carl. We still, we still have got Jaden. And even if everything goes south with Rudy, we have those three, and we're never going to we can't, we're not going to bottom out. This isn't a Brooklyn Nets situation. No. we're not going to be giving up picks one and three and one and three over the next five five to seven years.
1: I I honestly feel like it's closer to the Phoenix Suns situation when they added Chris Paul. Yeah. And maybe more on steroids. I just, because I think Gobert's got more left to provide Mm -hmm. than Chris Paul does. But similar, like Chris Paul went in and changed the defense of that team. Yeah, Gobert's going to do the same thing here. I mean, Gobert was dragging the Utah Jazz into a top 10 defense every single year with lesser talent around him than what he will have yeah, I, th- I
0: think it's a, it's a great comparison because the Phoenix Suns were at a point where they, were, they weren't they were in the playoffs in the bubble year. They had their big run. They went 8-0 in the bubble. They almost made it in. They missed by a game. Everybody was ready for them to take a leap the next year, which... They traded away their Pat Bav, which was Rick. Rubio. And they Rubio. traded away Ricky Rubio, who everybody loved, who was a starter on their team, who kind of made the engine go a little bit, but they needed the upgrade, and... Yep. They got Chris Paul, who and they didn't have to pay as much for Chris Paul as we did for. Yeah, so they're more
1: of a no brainer, but they, right.
0: they, that comes with the cost. Yeah, window was a lot narrower than it is. the Wolves' window will be. Their window might be shut already, which it is, is why, it- why they're talking about trading for Kevin Durant. So, right. Um, Which is, it's
1: just going to open it up a crack more. That guy's already
0: 34. Yeah. We'll talk about that later, but. (laughs) And and if we want to get so concerned about how much Rudy's making, he's going to be 34 when this contract ends. Right. He's 30. Durant age. He's old for an NBA center, but he's still only 30. He's old for a Wolves player. Yeah. Right. So I, like I said, we'll talk more about this. We have a full off season to discuss the other moves, the Rudy Gobert move, what this roster looks forward, what it's going to mean. The other guys are going to add to fill out this roster. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a super exciting day. Uh, I was at Valley Fair when the, when the news hit with my kids and I just, I had to apologize to my wife. I was like, I'm not trying to be rude. I just need to see what's happening. I need to look at my phone and you know, she, she understood because she's gotten into the wolves with me, but it's, it's fun. It's super exciting to talk about. I'll probably be up late tonight just scrolling Twitter, seeing what people are saying because it's just one of those moments that you want to ingest you want to feed into it and just take in did, as much as you can did emily know who gobert was she didn't know she has not know who gobert okay. was, I, was she, I mean she's she's just bummed that pat bev and and vando are going because they're two of like the 10 players that she knows who they are so like sure. she, she watched i some... told my wife I'm like the wolves just got rudy bear she goes is that good <laughs> oh <my God>. yeah <laughs> i didn't i didn't even use in the name when i told her what the trade was i was like they got like one of the top four centers and probably top 20 players in the nba Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that (laughs) sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. So she'll watch with me next year, and we'll be there watching Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns just beast everybody. It's going to be fun, man. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.